0: so um hello, my name's Luke. Um I um I'm I'm the student worker here at Open Heaven, also sit on the senior leadership team and I'm loving Fearon, I'll be honest with you, I'm liking Fearon a lot. This is week two of it and already feels a little bit like home and I think that'll just continue in the weeks to come really. So um yeah, so I've got I've got Jesus and Justice. This is our f- fourth week in, in the Justice series, and um, to be honest with you, uh, like Jesus and Justice, um, we, you need the whole series for it. And well, to be honest, that's exactly what we <laughs> that is exactly what we're doing. Actually, we're doing a whole series on justice, so it's through the lens of Jesus. So um, I'm 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 sort of giving a little bit of a general overview but also just honing in on some really interesting um, things that Jesus did around justice. And we've had a bit of a teaser already about Jesus in this series in, in week two with Jimmy, Zachariah, what a legend. And uh, he, sat in, he sat in Luke 4 for the majority of his talk, if you remember. And it's Jesus standing up in the synagogue and he's quoting. He, re, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he, and he quotes this. Which is, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'll read that again because this is this is Jesus right at the start of um, right at the start of Luke chapter four, so it's right at the beginnings, really, of his like ministry time, and he's setting his stall out of like this is what happens. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's quoting Isaiah, Isaiah 61 there. And he he says afterwards, in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. So before Jesus has done anything, before he's lived his whole life, Died and resurrected. All of these have been fulfilled in the, in the life and the person of Jesus before he's done anything else, which I find remarkable. It's not like he has to then go and do it. He fulfills it by him being Jesus, by him being man, God, which is just fantastic. I love that. And then last week we had um, Rich, who did an amazing job at like condensing the whole of the Old Testament in like 20 minutes, specifically looking at the Law and the Prophets. And um, we're sort of going to be carrying on chronologically. So the Law and the Prophets and then the Gospels come next in the Bible. Um, And Jesus really is the embodiment of God's justice and God's way of doing justice as well as God's love for all humanity. You know, week two, uh, being made in... The image of God. And, you know, unsurprisingly, this embodiment, Jesus, is full of challenges. Really full of challenges for us because we often so much prefer to pursue our own versions of justice. And Jesus comes along and he says, no, this is the way. Because like before Jesus, the people, the Israelites, um, they didn't really have a... A model or an example of what God's justice actually looked like worked fully in humanity. They had the law. The law was really helpful, but you had to follow it. And if you didn't, then it's not painting a perfect picture of what justice is. So it was sort of like a bit of a glimpse, but not quite reaching the fullness of justice. Um, and then you had the prophets, and they, you know, they wrote a load about like what. What it could look like, what it will look like, what God's full justice will look like, but it wasn't the there and then, it was a prophecy, so it was looking forward, it was saying it's not here now, but it will happen. So before that, like the Israelites didn't have a pure picture of what God's justice looked like. It was always a bit like mixed in with a bit of humanness and a, not quite here yet. And then Jesus came along, and booms, God justice is there, fully realized, fully revealed. Um, fully fulfilled, as Jesus said, in the synagogue of like, this is now your picture of justice. It's, it's me. The Isaiah prophecy is me right now. This is justice. And it's really, really challenging for us now that we have a great picture of Jesus is then looking at our own lives. And i I'm, gosh, I find it really challenging. Um, I found this whole series on justice really just personally, quite challenging, uh, if I'm completely honest. And like when I knew this justice series was coming along, I thought, um, I just quite frankly, I was there like, you know, justice, justice isn't really my niche. It's not really my like thing. It's, um, it's something that I'm not as like passionate about as maybe other people in the church, like I'll leave it sort of up to them because they're way better at it and I've got way more of like a a justice heart than I have. Um, And to be honest, that was genuinely my sort of like reaction Um, because I think for so long, I've reduced justice down to sort of, you know, simply humanitarian projects abroad in different countries or just like either very specific issues of injustices over the world and thinking of like people like Tier Fund and other charities. I'm like, charities, um, justice is like their back. They're brilliant at it. Well done that side of the church. I'll sort of like graze it a little bit because I know I have to, but like not fully sort of grappled with it in the way that Jesus sort of reveals and asks of us. So because of that, I think I've just often opted out, really, um, of going there, um, so yeah, I mean, I said I was going to be honest, so I'm I'm, I'm not really coming here as a, a, an expert on justice, um, I think that's okay as well, isn't it, because we're, we're not meant to be experts, but we're meant to be open, to be moulded, and willing to, to learn and grow, Um So thank you for allowing me to do that. But yeah, I I found it really challenging. And actually, what Dan Blakey shared something right at the start of the series, didn't he? In one of the responses around like asking God to help us with like almost a bit of a if anybody had a bit of fear around justice. And I was like, I wasn't actually there, but watching it back, I've been responding to that ever since. Basically, this whole series of like God, I need help because I think there's something in me that sort of fears that side. of engaging properly with justice. Um, so just to, to let you know, that's sort of where I'm at. And if everybody else is like that, that, I think that's okay, because that's the reason why we're doing this series, is that actually we engage with God's heart of justice in a bit of a, a purer way. Anyway, um, so, Jesus and justice then. I, I want to go back to A verse that Rich Cave used last week, which I thought was really, really helpful, which was in Zechariah 7. And Rich was basically saying, like, this um, this passage really helps us recognise sort of God's priority when it comes to people and what his sort of heart is drawn to. So that passage says, "And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord God this sorry this is what the Lord Almighty said." administer true justice show mercy and compassion to one another do not oppress the widow or the fatherless the foreigner or the poor do not plot evil against each other so rich made that point of we see here from this um, prophecy in Zechariah that God's sort of priorities are always leaning to those who are oppressed, the widow, the fatherless, the foreigner, and the poor. And like God's priorities are Jesus' priorities. And his disciples to Jesus, as, as we are if we call ourselves Christians, they should be our priorities as well. So the widow, the fatherless, the foreigner, the poor, they're, they're automatically our priorities if we call ourselves followers of Jesus and that's a bit of a oh yeah you could sit and chew on that for ages really and because it's Jesus's priority again looking at his life and Jesus's life right at the start of Matthew so we had the Isaiah scroll in Luke at the start of Matthew um, this time in chapter I mean, 5 to 7 is the Sermon of the Mount, but again, chapter 5, right at the beginning of Jesus' life. Chapters 1 and 2, well, 1's basically like the genealogy of Jesus. Chapter 2 is basically the sort of Christmas nativity story. 3 is Jesus' baptism. 4 is him going into the wilderness, then calling the disciples, then he begins to preach, then he, became, then he heals for the first time. And then chapter 5 is like his big sort of more public um, preach for the first time. So again, right right, right at the start, it's always interesting what people do at the start of things, and Jesus is what he does right at the start of things. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the Beatitudes, which are, this is what Jesus says, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's got the nickname of the Beatitudes and Jesus does it right at the beginning and it gives us a massive, it's more more than a glimpse, it gives us a massive sort of like neon flashing light of like, this is what I'm all about, this is who it's all about, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, this is what Jesus is saying, like, this is my heart for justice. Right at the beginning of his life, of his ministry. And he's telling us this, you know, that Zephaniah thing of, like, administering justice. This is Jesus saying, this is how I'm going to administer justice. And this is how I'm going to do it too. These are the guys who are going to sort of receive that justice. Is the poor in spirit the, those who mourn the meek those who hunger and thirst so it's really interesting boom god's priorities from zephaniah jesus's priorities from the sermon of the mount i mean the you know the mirror images of course they are it's the trinity and um rich flashed up that book embracing justice i haven't got it with me so i don't know why i look down there but um it's a really good book, if you, if you want to get your hands on it and sort of just do a bit more further reading, I, I do recommend it. I don't have a nice slide like um, Rich did last week, but it's, got, it's called Embracing Justice. There's a good small group resource as well that goes alongside it, if, if you want that as a small group leader. But they, they um, in there, talked about boundaries and barriers, which found really helpful in thinking about how we outwork this, and how how Jesus modeled it. So this is sort of a, a section from the book. Boundaries and barriers are not the same thing. Boundaries mark our identity and difference. They create safe spaces within which to belong and explore identity as individuals and communities. Boundaries can be crossed or moved but their presence marks the crossing or movement as something significant, whether desirable or not. Boundaries make talk of identity possible. Crossing boundaries is essential to meet with the other. If I want to truly listen, I have to move out of my comfort zone and journey towards somebody else's without trying to invade or reshape that other person's inner space or letting go of my own sense of identity boundaries can however this is the warning solidify into barriers that prevent meeting others keep them out and intensify invisibility and disconnection so i, I found this really helpful boundaries are you know designed to be things that help identify things as different. That's a good thing, we, we are different. But there's also like movement between, we can cross boundaries and go between the others. But if we're careful, those boundaries can build up in time. And if we just don't want to cross those boundaries, if we don't want to step out of our comfort zone, they, became, they, they become barriers. So the difference between boundaries and barriers, basically like a gate becoming a wall, you know. And um, I found that really, really helpful. It was brilliant. What a great way of sort of um, leveling things out. And how does Jesus do that? <laughs> how does he live a life of boundaries but not barriers? And Henry Newham, um, an author, he he, he said this: for Jesus, for Jesus, there are no countries to be conquered, no ideologies to be imposed. No people to be dominated. There are only children, women, and men to be loved. I love that. No countries to be conquered. No ideologies to be imposed. No people to be dominated. There's only children, women, and men to be loved. Jesus' ministry had loads of boundaries. And his life and his culture Thinking loads. You had the Jew and the Gentile. You had the Roman citizens and the other. You had slave and free. You had man and woman. You had the religious and the sinner. Boundaries all over the place, and they became barriers for so many, which made making the I- the idea of making. Um, Sorry, the idea of loving a Samaritan neighbor, impossible for those with the barriers. Allowing sick entry to the temple, unthinkable. Inviting tax collectors to parties, inconceivable. But Jesus, he, he does the opposite. He constantly moves across boundaries all the time. His whole like the whole gospel is Jesus moving from one boundary to another, constantly walking across things, never barriers but boundaries that he was crossing. It's ultimately what got him killed. Um, there's loads of examples. I've, I've picked them all from Luke, actually, where Jesus does this. So Jesus, he places Samaritans, who were seen as racial inferiors by the Jews, he places them on the same spiritual level. That's in Luke 9 and um, 17. A riot broke out. It ensued when Jesus declared that God loves Gentiles such as Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian. They kicked off when he just said God loves the Gentiles. I mean we're not from that culture so we don't know like the extremities of what Jesus was saying but he creates a boundary. He's there like no God loves everybody. He loves the Gentile not just you the Jews. Jesus reached out to lepers who were social outcasts touching them Defying the social norms. That's Luke 5 and again in 17. And Jesus not only teaches his disciples to be generous to the poor, but to welcome them into their homes and families, full well knowing that the poor can't repay you and you can't benefit from like a, a return invite. Jesus is just constantly crossing boundaries. Why? Not just because he's a rule breaker, because that's the heart of justice. So the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus—it's a—it's a beautiful example of true justice. I mean, it's not just a beautiful example; it's the perfect example. It is the example of true justice being outworked. Um, and in doing that, it exposes us, and it exposes our shortcomings, and it might reveal some of the barriers that we've put up. Um, and for me, this really stood out a few weeks ago at breakfast, um, reading through Matthew, and it hit Matthew 23, and it hit one of those sort of like passages that seems to have like evaded me my whole life. You know those verses you say, like, how have I never heard this before? I just love those. Um, and this is Jesus in Jerusalem, actually, sort of tying it in with the Palm Sunday story. He's coming to Jerusalem on his donkey. And he's gone to like the temple courts and he's having this big sort of, um, is it argument? I don't know. But basically he's, he's challenging the religious elite at the time. And this is where he's up to. to. In Matthew 23:23, he says, Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He's gone in hard says you give a tenth of your spices mint dill and cumin but you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former but you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness in Luke's gospel he also adds in like the love for God you've neglected the love for God and when when I read this it's it hit me like a ton of bricks I'll be honest with you um, not just because it was something new that I had not seemed to have come across before but I felt like the Holy Spirit was suddenly convicting me of all that stuff all my spices um, I maybe do and give, but sort of God searching my heart and him personally asking me of like, that's fantastic, all that stuff is good, Luke, but have you neglected the more important matters of justice, mercy and faithfulness? And that's incredibly challenging. Like I said, right at the start of when we look at how Jesus administers justice, it exposes our injustices, whether we are intentional about it or not. And what I love with Jesus here is he doesn't sort of, okay, he calls them hypocrites and woe to you and all that jazz, but he doesn't sort of just say, you're doing it from the wrong heart. What are you doing? Like, blah, blah, blah. blah. But he's there like, no, I recognize that actually you're you're giving of the tenth, these spices, is a good thing. He doesn't say stop doing it because it's old law, because Jesus came to fulfill all laws, didn't he? But he's there like, no, no, that, that is good. But also, like, get back to what the purpose is. Like, why do you do that? Why do you give a tenth of your spices? What's the heart behind that? Is it just a religious thing that we do? Is it just because it's a good discipleship thing that it's like, oh, we don't hold on to everything that we've got no it's bigger it's way bigger than that it's not just about personal development it's not just about becoming more like god it's It's bigger because it's about the heart of justice. Have we neglected the heart of justice in all the things we do and um You know, those spices could be a whole different range of things for a whole different load of people. Um, But what is sort of representing? What does the mint, the cumin, the dill sort of represent for us today? What is sort of getting in the way of us fully engaging with justice? It might not be sin, um, particularly. It might just be going through the motions it might be good discipleship but actually what it's hiding maybe a little bit of me is like that's hiding that the like going go there with the heart of god's justice and it sets root and it almost starts as a boundary but can, can becomes a barrier and um There's absolutely loads of Jesus doing justice in the Gospels. We'll be exploring that further in more detail in the rest of the series, looking at environmental justice, racial justice, tackling injustice. How do we do that? Um, But I guess before, before we go into the sort of more specific, it would be really easy for us to enter and just be like, okay, yeah, we have to give a tenth of our spices. We have to be really kind to others we have to be really environmentally conscious going forward great i can do that i can add that to sort of my sort of discipleship things to do knowing that that's good and that's god's purpose and desires but if we don't address if we if we neglect the more important matters of justice mercy and faithfulness we'll just be like anybody can do that you don't have to be a christian to be like conscious about how you consume and how you treat others but the heart of justice behind that changes everything. So I, f- I feel like this at this point in the series, there's a bit of like, okay, we can just, um, this is me sort of person, like m- maybe me feeling it personally as well, but it could be really easy to be like, okay, great, loads of head knowledge, we can outwork that, but where's the sort of deep heart work that we need to do to make sure that it addresses the more important matters of justice?